Hello, and welcome to Frock Flicks, the historical costume movie and TV podcast. I'm your host, Kendra Van Cleve, and I'm here with one half of our original Broadway recording cast, Sarah Lorraine. And we are here costume recapping Outlander. We owe you two episodes because last week we didn't do a podcast for episode nine because I was flying home from London and Sarah was in New Orleans and that just made podcasting way too complicated. So we're going to be talking about both episodes nine and ten. Um, but the downside is they're supremely uncostumey uh, episodes. I mean, there's definitely things to talk about and we will talk about them, but uh we're, we're a little worried. We're like, there's a lot of wool and dirt. And mud, you know. <laughs> mud. All right. So episode nine is basically uh, where they're sort of getting all of the military stuff up and running. And, um, the, you know, they're, they're everybody's sort of back together. They've mustered the troops and now they're training them and they're getting ready for battle. And old characters turn back up and uh, Claire has her some flashbacks. So I don't know where we want to start within that. Is there anything specific you want to talk about? I want to talk about Dougal and how foxy I think he is. Yeah, okay, I really want to know why you think Dougal is foxy, because he's so not doing it for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, it, I can't explain it. Partially, it, I, I kind of want him to pull me around by my hair. And, and it's just that he's tall. He's tall, he's a silver fox. <laughs> I love the beard with the shaved head. Like I really would love to like just get in there with that head and like. I didn't know this about you. This I didn't know it either. <laughs> this is a surprise to me too. This is not. I'm not usually a lumber sexual. So. Lumber sexual. There's a lot of plaid and a lot of beards. Exactly. Little did I know. Apparently, I'd be very happy in Seattle. Yeah. And then he takes his shirt off in this episode, and Jesus. Christ, his pectoral muscles are bigger than my head. And again, this is not the kind of guy I would actually normally go for, but on a like primal level, uh, you know, if I would try and travel to 18th century Scotland, I'd be like, you. It'd be all like, get away, Jamie. I'm taking it too. Totally. Well, can I switch back and forth? Because yeah, okay. Jamie gets his shirt off too, and he's looking pretty good in this episode as well. Sexy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not feeling the Dougal love. And usually I'm the one who likes the weird ones. So I'm a little perplexed as to why I'm not on the Dougal on the Dougal bus. But you know, whatever. You you do you, Kendra. You do you. Thank you. I will fly that freak flag for everyone. Um I, I guess in terms of costumes, if we're gonna talk about that, um, not like there's a lot to talk about because like we've stated, it's a lot of wool and a lot of mud. The most interesting costumes, I thought, were of the Scottish lords when they were meeting with Bonnie Prince Charlie. Um, and, uh, you know, I watched, I watched both episodes back to back, and I'm pretty sure that was in episode nine, right? Mm, oh, no, I think that's no. actually episode 10. Right, so the very beginning of episode 10. Okay, yeah. sorry. Well, there are, okay, preview, episode 10, there's some interesting menswear. Back to episode nine. <laughs> right. Uh, not so interesting, because apparently nothing I can think of like you know, well, comes so Jamie has a literal leather jacket. That's true. Yeah, they are period. Although I don't know if I would say like that particular type of leather. I mean, we need my fiance here again to like give us all like the rundown of historical leather types. But <laughs> but I know that they did have leather. They had leather jackets, um, leather coats. They were usually usually buff colored. They were called buff jacket or buff coats. 
Um, I don't think I've ever seen a black one, but you know, hey, well, suspend disbelief because he looks super hot in it. So good times. Yeah. I thought it was an interesting mashup in the sense that it was so cut like an 18th century jacket would be. But yes, I mean, and I, I will tell you, I know nothing about 18th century men's leather jackets. Uh, this could be a thousand percent historically accurate or not. But I think the interesting thing is it definitely read as a motorcycle jacket. It gave you that sense of, of Jamie. Um, it's actually kind of interesting because I think of Jamie as such a like, he's such a noble character. He's such a good man, which is, you know, part of what makes him foxy. Um, and I kind of associate leather jackets kind of with bad boys right Um, so it's kind of an interesting thing character wise but i think that they're trying to you know they've spent all this time in france wearing shiny taffeta uh and now you're supposed to see now jamie's back in his element and you're supposed to relate to that i guess yeah and also i mean he's he's starting to toughen up anyway just with the fact that he's got to be leading this army apparently and so you see a lot more like jamie posturing that's going on in these two episodes um and i you know honestly kind of weirded me out a little bit because I not that I see him as as intrinsically like weak or anything like that not at all but I see him more like you know not not somebody it just doesn't seem like it comes naturally to the character to be like I'm putting my foot down and you know taking taking charge and I don't know so what's interesting about that is that's definitely in the books and in the books it's funny because I don't know if is it that the actor is too young. I mean, in the books, it completely works. Jamie, wow. very, he has this sense of authority that develops. Yeah, I mean, I get that. Yeah, but in the show, I'm with you. It's mm-hmm. It feels like, but you're a lot younger than this person, and, and also sort of further down the social scale. Um, I mean, I get that, for example, the men that are in this encampment are pledged to Jamie, and that's why he suddenly has hand over Dougal, and yeah. yet... Dougal's the brother of his chief, and I don't know. So I, I see what you mean. It's not quite flowing for me quite as much as it does in the books. It seemed to come right out of, like, left field, too. So it was like, we're all chugging along. And he's, he's like, Jamie's an intellectual. I mean, let's, let's just say the character is definitely an intellectual character, and then suddenly he's kind of going aggro man, you know, er, warrior. It just doesn't work for me in, in the way that it's coming across in the, in the show. Um, I feel like it's just, it's like a, a, a switch flipped and suddenly we go from like intellectual to almost knuckle draggy. <laughs> like, it, just, it, it just feels weird. And of course, I mean, we should allow for the fact that he, he is a multifaceted character. He has, you know, got many sides to him. So maybe this is always kind of like lurking below the surface and we've just been, you know, kind of distracted by the pectoral muscles uh, you never know but yeah I, I kind of found that weird to me when I was watching the, the episode I think the other thing too and it's funny because it's, it's making me think of Wolf Hall where um Cromwell you know has this backstory as a mercenary and so Jamie has a backstory of having fought in the armies in France I think and that's why he has all of this authority and military knowledge but the difficulty is, of course, that's just stuff we're told. It's not stuff we've been shown. And it's really so. stuff that, that's just kind of mentioned in passing. I feel like a lot of that stuff got kind of like just sort of mentioned here and there in like the first season. And none of it's really been reiterated or developed in any sort of way. So that until you mentioned that, I had completely forgotten that. 
I had forgotten until he makes some comment at this point where when he's training the men and he's trying to say, you don't know what this is really going to be like and what it's really to go up against a, a trained army. And I went, oh, oh, right. Crap. Doesn't he have some background in there? And and yeah, I wish they'd kind of reminded us of that a little bit more. Yeah. But, you know, that aside, um, I still think that, you know, the plot moves really well. I actually I actually really do enjoy the pacing of the show. Um, a lot of it does kind of. You know, like the previous podcast not, uh, that we did, uh, we were all talking about how it got very um, preachy, kind of tele, you know, the, the, Lisa used the word telegraphing um, of plot points and emotions and things like that got very, like, forced. But at the same time, um, I feel like that's not necessarily the entire, the entirety of the show uh, doesn't tend to do that. So, yeah, so, I mean, I'm talking out of my ass. No, it's fine. It's funny. Again, I- <laughs> I feel like I feel like the plot is moving faster than I remember in this book. Right. But again, it's been I I haven't reread Dragonfly and Amber in a long time. One thing I thought was interesting is obviously Claire is now suddenly you know she's ditched her French wardrobe and she's way back in her wool. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I any of the specific pieces really jumped out at me, but it is definitely obvious to me how much more comfortable she is in this right. wardrobe versus right. all of the French stuff. And while I miss the French stuff, it is, I mean, I feel like the costume designer, Terry Dresbach, has done a really good job. And obviously the actress, too. I never know if it's Katrina or Catriona, whatever. But I'm not sure. I think it's Katrina. I think somebody corrected us on the blog. <laughs> right, yeah. So, Katrina, anyway, both of them, I think, have done a really good job. And you can really see how much more comfortable Claire looks like she's wearing, you know, a knitted sweater and a wool skirt. You know, it, it just works on her. It looks super cozy. And of course, she's got that tall, slender physique to be able to pull off like bulky wool layers and not look like a homeless person. <laughs> okay, can I just say I was looking for stills for um, our blog recap and I came across some some event photo of Sam Hugan, who plays Jamie, and Katrina Balfi, who plays Claire. And Katrina Balfi is wearing this like, I mean, she looks great because she's gorgeous, but it's essentially like one of those like little girl 1960s dresses that's like a, a trapeze dress with like this ruffle bib thing. And it's obviously <laughs> supposed to be sort of retro in 60s, but it was really weird. And I was just like, of all the things to wear, oh like, what? It very much confused me. That's all. But was it was it something that she was wearing? Because I know the 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 mo- or the the plot goes to 1960s. So was it something that was being filmed, or was it just a? No, this is just at some event. This was just oh. some high fashion thing. It's oh. also too. I'm always perplexed by seeing, um, especially historical actors, when they're not in character and in costume. I'm like, what the fuck? That completely, you know? Because in my mind, like they should just dress like this all the time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and then also we get to see glimpses of Claire back in the 40s, obviously with her flashbacks. And again, I thought she looked she looked so cute and so comfortable in her 40s, you know, wool uniform and the pants just suited her. And I loved her cute little rolled up 40s hair. And again, this is her element. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they definitely get that. I I agree, though, with the with what you're saying in the sense that, you know, she definitely looks more comfortable character wise. And I think also actress wise, cause it's you know, coming across pretty clearly um, in the wolves, but I really miss France. I, I know there's so much less to from, from a costume porn perspective. I mean, this is completely serves the plot as it should, but from a costume porn perspective, it's like, Oh, 
It's another wool jacket. Yeah. Oh. I feel like we didn't think this through, like, you know, logically, that like we got all excited about the 18th century only to realize that it's like six episodes and then the rest of it. More wool. <laughs> wool and jackets and kilts and mud, uh, which is not, not, a, not to knock anything, not to knock any, any, no. any aspect of the, the show itself, but it's just, we get excited by the shiny. So we got very excited by the shiny and now the shiny's gone away. And I'm kind of like, is the shiny ever going to come back? <laughs> I will tell you the plot progresses okay. and there will be other opportunities for shiny. Okay, good. good. I'll, I'll hang in there then. <laughs> but there will also be opportunities for, you know, putting twigs in your hair and rolling around in the dirt. I'm sure. Hey, speaking of rolling around, no sex. What is this? Okay, and so now let's go ahead and just move to episode 10 and we'll get into that. But that was my biggest peeve was, okay. come on, there's got to be Night of the Big Battle shagging. Right. Thank you. Thank um, you. I was very disappointed. We got a little bit of tongue when he comes back from the battle. But other than that, I was very let down. I really want, I mean, let's just go, you know, up against a wall, in the barn, whatever. Give me, give me some pre- pre-battle shagging, post-battle shagging, I don't care. Thank you. Yeah, I felt jipped too. I mean, that was exactly what I was thinking. Like, any minute now, they're going to go off to battle, but the night before, it'll be totally like shag fest. <laughs> no, no, it was just a, I really want to fuck you, but uh, I got shit to do, so bye. <laughs> yeah, which, I'm sorry, just doesn't fly, I don't care. And it's funny too, because they kept setting them up where they're like, they're the only ones to have like an indoor bedroom. Everyone else is sleeping under some canvas in the dirt, but these two have a real bed. And I'm like, ooh, and no. Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like that's kind of where it's, there, was it just me or was there a lot of sex in season one and there's just not been quite as much in season two? Yes, except that don't forget the first half of season one, there wasn't any. Right? It was a buildup. It was a total buildup because you yeah. knew they were getting, it was sexual tension, which is almost as good as sex, if not better. Exactly. Well, and, and it was like, yeah, we were so tense by the time it happened that it was like, yes, yes. But, but <laughs> you know, and of course, that's how the plot goes. You know, you know, they've been busy being pregnant and now busy with battles. And that's not maybe quite as sexy times. But but could you just throw in a, a, a you know, a, just a quick hot boning scene somewhere in here, people that tied us over? We're so pathetic. My God. <laughs> I want to see more sex. That's all I care about. Fuck the costumes. Totally. Let's get a nice butt shot of Jamie. Uh, God, please. Yeah, the less costumes, the better in this case. Let's just get naked. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's talk about episode 10. And I think that I agree with you that opening scene with all the generals arguing was really visually nice. And um, we should talk about all of those. I think the standout costume of this whole episode, of course, is Bonnie Prince Charlie in his plaid um, jacket and matching uh, kilt with and then all the gold um, lace on the jacket and that is a reproduction or uh, not a, yeah I guess a reproduction is the right word of a painting of the real Bonnie Prince Charlie from about 1750 that's at the Scottish National Gallery and we will link to it and um, to the original painting and of course you know I'm thrilled to see them making an actual re you know reproduction of something that really existed and I give them massive props for doing it they got the hat they got everything yeah yeah i mean exactly. the it's from the waist up so you can't you can't see that he's wearing a kilt but you can see that something's you know you can see the fabric bunched up on his shoulder um mm -hmm. 
there is actually a scene in the very, it's like that very early scene um, where all the generals and he comes out, they, they go outside and then it's the part where Jamie has to kiss his hand. You do see a full length shot and you can see his kilt and everything. So I did notice that. But anyway, it was great. It's that Stuart Platt. <laughs> I was referring to the original in the original portrait. Oh, right. Okay. Right. Yeah. But it does. It has all that gold uh, lace on it. You can see the kilt coming up on his back. And it's got that that hat, um, which I guess, is that a tam? I always get the tam and the bonnet confused. I, I, is there a difference? I'm sure someone will tell us. <laughs> I'm sure they will. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So that to me was the standout, but I agree. I loved what the generals were wearing. Again, mostly the the lots of interesting gold trim, and I was loving the wigs, um, mm -hmm. on, especially on the two the two military guys who were really duking yeah. it out. Yeah, yeah, good wigs. It was good wigs. It was good uh, good frock coat action. I I was impressed. But again, it's like it's really hard to kind of single out anything in particular because we've got so much action going on, and those those guys are in such like a small percentage of the entire episode so it's sort of you see them again a little bit further down in um in the uh, as the episode progresses and same clothes but you know again it's like the focus is not really on the costume or clothing or anything of that sort it's just you know we're very plot driven here we're very action driven and so there's not a lot of lingering on pretty things so hit the pause button a lot <laughs> absolutely um uh the few things i can talk about though i mean and i i um thought this of both episodes, I thought they did a really good job with, um, you know, keeping to a somber color palette for all the different soldier men, and yet lots of different details, lots of variation, if you looked closely, subtle variations, but they were definitely there, everything looked very realistic, very lived in, and all of that, um, so I was very happy with that, it wasn't like everyone was wearing the same, the same coat, or whatever, you know, there was Again, lots of variation in there. And one thing that I thought was neat, um, and I don't know if, if I read this right or not, but when one of the in the scene where Dougal decides to go out and test the swamp and see whether it's crossable and you see the British soldier sh shooting at him, there's a shot of at least one soldier, and he looks like his coat is way too big for him. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's just yeah. a subtle detail, but I loved it because the guy looks kind of young and, and it makes me think, you know, he probably just joined up and they grabbed a coat and threw it at him. And it just, it made it believable. And also immediately, even though you saw this guy for 10 seconds, go, oh, he's somebody's son and, you know, have all of that. I will also want to, I want to point out too, that you we were going back and talking about like the, the darker color palette for pretty much everybody, but there's only, there's two standouts, of course, there's the red coats, obviously, but there's also Bonnie Prince Charlie. I mean, he's wearing bright fucking red, you know? And so it's interesting. There's, there's always the, anytime he's in a scene, he is the center of attention, regardless of whether or not he's actually, you know, being the person who's, who's comm commandeering the entire scene. Um, but he does that in pretty much every scene he's in. So yeah, but he wears he wears that red plaid um, frock coat and kilt the entire episode. I think yeah yeah. So yeah, definitely, and I'm sure there was great you know political import to him wearing it. Oh, and yeah. it was interesting to watch him interacting with the Scots and things like where he was suggesting that the English troops should be um, cared for medically before the Scottish and all that, and he's so conscious obviously of wanting to reconquer the you know great britain the united kingdom whereas the scots are so focused on 
liberation from under the English yoke. And it's, and I want to sit down with everybody and say, you're not all necessarily fighting for the same thing. Yeah, here, people. Obviously, pretty obvious. Um, yeah. And, and I'm pretty sure. Um, in fact, I'm confident in the fact that the, the, the plaid that he's wearing is the, uh, the Stuart plaid or in any case it becomes the Stuart plaid depends on when, you know, when and where you start to see the codification or codification of, of plaids in terms of like belonging to specific clans, but that is, you know, so it is hugely symbolic from like his, his legacy standpoint of, of him being uh, trying to identify as Scottish, even though he's so clearly not. The yeah. juxtaposition of him wearing this. And also, I mean, again, it's based on this portrait. Um, and so presumably was something Bonnie Prince Charlie really wore, but again, just even if you didn't know that, I thought it was interesting because, you know, nobody else is wearing a plaid coat as well as a kilt. And so it's almost overkill. And right. so having him be kind of poncy, like where he forces Jamie to um, kiss his hand, or also when he's applauding for Dougal, he's got these really big cuffs and all of uh, like white, you know, frilly cuffs. And so the juxtaposition of like almost too much plaid with this sort of poncy kind of not very Scottish guy I mean, I think, again, it worked really well between the characterization and the costuming. As you can see, he's sort of overcompensating and over trying to be Scottish, and it's not quite ringing true. Yeah, and that's definitely what, what stacks up with the historical record as far as Charlie is concerned. <laughs> so, yeah, and I mean, it's not his fault, you know, he was, you know, kicking his off of Italy or wherever. <laughs> <laughs> Was it France or Italy or something? He's kind of most of his, uh, some of his time in France, and then uh, as he was older in Italy. So yeah, yeah he had just come from Italy when uh, we were seeing him in France. But yeah, the Pope took them in because of course they're Catholic. Right. So the one other costume, it's certainly not shiny, but Claire is in um, a sleeveless um, jumps. It might be called or a waistcoat. Um, obviously, super practical. It looks like maybe it's quilted. Mm -hmm. um, fabric um, and it has this crossover front and I know we've seen something like it before probably back in season one and I, I find it interesting because you see that kind of crossover bodice in the period but it's usually um, um, a Turkish reference um, or in some way more some, something masquerade or that sort of thing and I wouldn't expect to see it on a really workaday practical um, sort of garment but so again it, it's kind of it's not a problem. It's, you definitely see it in the period, but it's usually supposed to be this kind of Orientalist Turkish reference. So it's just, every time I see it, it kind of makes my head twitch a little bit because it just doesn't seem like the right garment to put it on. That was, that was my feeling too. But what, what actually it reminded me of was in the early, you know, the very early 18th or early 19th century, the kind of proto bra that is a, it's a crossover kind of weird thing that, yeah, I mean, it, looked like a longer version of that to be honest and I couldn't tell if she was wearing stays underneath I'm sure she was or if it was boned or something like that because obviously she still had the right shape but it just yeah. didn't look like it so yeah yeah I do think she was wearing separate stays underneath because she has a really you know 18th century cone silhouette but the garment itself looks very soft and doesn't look boned so yeah. that's how I read it so I don't think it's technically I think it'd be more of a waistcoat than jumps mm -hmm. and jumps would be like um, just a quilted and unboned sort of corset that you would wear at home to be really comfy in. Whereas a waistcoat would be something you would wear over your corset and under a jacket or dress or something like that. 
And, you know, it makes perfect sense. She looks ultra practical. She's ready to get in there and, you know, do surgery as she does um, and, you know, everything else she needs to do. Um, so I think it's, you know, it works absolutely perfectly for the plot and the character and, and all of that. It's just, again, that crossover bodice just, um, yeah. I wouldn't have put the crossover on that particular garment. That's all. Yeah. There you go. Um, there's nothing much else to say in terms of women's costumes. We see a lot of workaday outfits in this episode. The, it is, um, interesting, I guess, to, to note the variety of styles that they were doing uh, for the, the women that were helping um, Claire out in the infirmary. And, um, but yeah, a lot of, not a, you know, obviously not a lot of variation or a lot of flash because here we are, we're talking about people who are about to be elbow deep in, you know, blood and guts. And obviously these are also not wealthy people that are going to have a lot of fancy clothes. So yet again, we don't have much to say about that other than... A few comments about the plot, um, mostly. Uh, I was a little bit annoyed because this show has had um, a really, it seems to me like a very good budget for extras, but um, it wasn't as bad as watching a History Channel documentary where there's the five guys in close-up, but I didn't, it felt like there were 30, 30 Scots in the Battle of Preston Pans, and while I need to look that up, something tells me there were more than 30 Scots, so I wish... <laughs> Wish they could have sprung for a few more extras. Right. That always annoys me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or at least digitally, give me the digital aerial shot so I can see that there's actually 300 people. And now we're going to focus in, you know, camera wise on 30 of them. Then I can buy it. But when it's just. Well, they did do those wide shots of the bog scene where you see every, all the spots lined up on the ridge. I mean, you know, it looked like. More than 30, maybe 100. Yeah, but I mean, once they go through the swamp and are attacking the British, it yeah. seemed like it was about 30 to 50 guys, and, and that didn't quite ring true to me. Yeah. And then the only other thing, and I'm terrible because I forgot their names, but the two comic relief guys. Yeah. Angus and what's-his-face. Yeah. Which one's which, and one of them dies. Angus is the one who dies. Angus oh. is the one who saves what's-his-face. <laughs> what the hell is his name? <laughs> Oh no, we're terrible. Yeah, they're comedic relief guys. But um, yeah, so Angus say, you know, shoots the guy who's gonna or stabs the other guy and anyways, yeah, the concussion of the explosion caused him to internally hemorrhage and he has this very sudden, very gory death after you think he's gonna be okay and the other guy is starting to pull through. Um, so yeah, that was sad and bloody and And their little bromance is broken up too and and uh yeah. War is hell. That's what we have to learn here. <laughs> yes. War, what is it good for? Nothing. Exactly. So I was, I was sad to see him go. And, you know, they were making the point with all of the, the guys bonding and coming out and singing and blah, blah, blah. And none of this is going to end well, is it? No, pretty much not. So. so anyway, so, I mean, I thought that was good. In, and uh, it's been, again, it's been long enough that since I've read the books, uh, and I'm sure it's straight out of the books, but it's always good, you know, when, when you need people to feel the import of a situation to kill off a, a substantial character, and, and he certainly was, and, and I'm sad. I loved his little missing teeth and his, his jokes and his trying to get Claire to kiss him and all of that. Yeah, it was pretty sad, but so, there you go. I mean... Go well, Angus. <laughs> yeah, go on, Angus. Also, yeah. uh, can I just say, like, Fergus 
is way too pretty. I just, I, I every time I look at his like dark ass eyelashes, I just want to like, why are they on a boy face? Give them. I was thinking the exact same thing (laughs) because he has some particular scenes where he is just freaking beautiful and it'll be really interesting to see the actor age. Um, (laughs) What I was thinking, I'm like, what's he going to look like in 10 years? (laughs) It's going to be pretty. Expect some lascivious, potential lascivious thoughts about Fergus in the future. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, that guy, you know, that boy really was pretty. He's, he's still too young. <laughs> way too young, way too young, but he is beautiful. Like 12 or 13, is that? He's, I'm terrible with ages, certainly pre-puberty. Yeah, but I'm thinking 12. I think that's my guess, but yeah, anyway. Yeah. All right, so that's really all I've got. Got anything else? No, honestly, I don't. I've, uh, we've already explored your weird fixation with Dougal, which was my yeah. number one <laughs> question about this, especially after, after, after episode 10, too, because dude is a murderous fucking psychopath. But, I know, it's not, it's, it's not the character, because the character in the books, I mean, I mean obviously, it's, it's complicated, but I'm definitely not Team Dougal when I read the books, but there's just something about that actor that, whew. Yeah. Okay. I'll go with, I'll let you do it, you know, okay. you know and guys with noses, so, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I appreciate having your blessing. Okay, yeah, no, I mean, other than that, nothing much to really talk about or say other than, um, I'm interested in seeing what comes up next week, and, you know, how the whole issue resolves with Claire going back to the future, um, so yeah. I have a prediction. It's not going to be, it's going to be a lot more wool and a lot more dirt and a lot more people dying. Hopefully there'll be some shagging. Can there please Please, be? God. (laughs) At this point, let's not make it a short scene. Let's make it half the episode. Okay, people. Exactly. So that would be good. Um, Yeah, that's it. All right. Well, we will see you next week. Um, And in the meantime, we will have a, uh, blog post recap of this episode, um, episode 10, and of course we've already posted episode 9 um, with lots of screenshots, so check that out at frockflix.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Frockflix, and we will see you next week with another podcast and another recap. Until then, bye!